brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Suds, suds, suds. It's time for more suds. Hello and welcome to this suds episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. I am one of your hosts here at the table, good old boy Mike. Joining me here at the table is good old boy Dave. You talking to me? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> and Reverend Mark. Hello. Oh. He just got through that with flying colors. I can't believe that. <clears throat> our side segments are all about beer, beer, and more beer. And this is our favorite things of 2014 Sud Show. So uh, definitely I am looking forward to this for sure. We, um, we've had a lot of beer that uh, we're going to talk about today. And we're going to be tasting and discussing these beers and rating them with our suds ratings plus our signature belching sounds number one not the model of this but that sucks give me anything but a bud number two standing out a host that no longer come back on our show was was that a belch (laughs) number three always sitting here at the table is dave infamous for ah what a relief Number four is some of our new co-hosts that have joined us across from across the pond and elsewhere. Our body should really not make that sound. Also, what Juliana says to Dave on a routine basis. Yes. And, of course, there's what my lovely wife says. Listen to hang time. Give me another. <laughs> so those are the beers. Those are our such ratings uh, that we'll be talking about today. Um, we have had some really great beers for 2014, and today we're going to be talking about some of our favorite beers, and we're also announce our nominees for the 2014 Good Belching Award, which I know most of you are very excited about that. You'll be able to vote on that on our Facebook site for the next few weeks. We'll talk about that at the end of our episode. Here's a short list of some of our top beers from 2014, but I'm sure we'll have a conversation that will drift way off this list rather quickly. But these are some beers that we've got we've had a chance to review right here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Prairie Ale from Prairie Ale. Prairie Bomb from Prairie Ale. Six Points High Res. The Great Divides Hercules Double IPA. Three Floyds Apocalypse Cow. The Brewery Brian 1000, a great homebrew batch. Jolly Pumpkins, I.O. Saison, McKellar, It's Alive, Evil Twin, Imperial Biscotti Break, The Brewery Bois, 2014 Anniversary, Nebraska Brewing's Melange and rounding out this list is Against the Grain's Brown Note. So those are the top beers that we've had uh, to talk about on this show, but uh, like I said, I'm sure that we will drift off that list very, very quickly. We actually have most of these beers off that list uh, that we've actually had here to enjoy while we're talking about this show. Mm-hmm. And a very good lineup, that's for sure. Um, each of us has probably tasted in, in excess of well over 5,000 beers. It that's seems like every eight. year. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always a mark, and then there's your mark, Dave, which is probably <laughs> more like 11,382. over and above <laughs> whenever I can. So it's difficult to say that really that there's really one beer that you know we really have or frankly even a short list and unfortunately juliana couldn't join us today but there is no way on the free planet she could pick a beer she everybody's special in her cellar right she is yeah she has <laughs> she a lot of down. a lot of favorite children <laughs> down <laughs> she, in the basement just, I, I love you all i but i'm drinking you tonight <laughs> so pretty much yep um, at times, I thought this uh, list should actually be called uh, the best, but um, you know, maybe things are so good that you really just—I I really want to try and describe the show as more favorite or things that you should just not pass up if you run across them, you know, uh, more than anything. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've had some uh, really good, 
good times on the show, and here is one of those for you now. And, um, but it's it's bright. Um, you know, it's it's a little tough to take full sips of this beer. Yeah. Um, it just kind of kind of overwhelm your palate. I would not call this a guzzling or chuggling. Uh, mm-hmm. Chuggling. That's a real word, right? I don't yeah. think so. <clears throat> it uh, is now. A, yeah, a chuggling. A, a chug- it's a sip, suds, and smokes verbiage. It is definitely a <laughs> sipping uh, beer for sure. Um, my uh, my suds rating for America is going to be three. Juliana, what did you think of Merca from Prairie? I dug it. Um, I got a lot of grippiness, you know, off mm-hmm. of it, which is, well, Nelson, they're standing out. And kind of musty, you. too, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I there's think that's a bit, me. Sorry. I, that, that could be you. You're right. Um, uh, I'll turn the fan on for you, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. Reverend Mark, please take a bath. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice. I didn't notice. <laughs> but like a good degree of of barnhousey, you know, kind of stuff and and barnhouse. Barnhouse, yeah. yeah. I know. I made that up right now. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I like. Thank the, you. This yeah. day of Michigan Chug- words. Juggling, 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 barnhousey. Thank you very much for playing game. That freaky word. You're gonna have to put like a glossary on the uh, website. And we're casting and waiting. <laughs> and we're casting and waiting. <laughs> we're castellating. Yes, we're castellating. Um, I think that's illegal in Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Man, we're doomed. Um, Anyways, a good amount of citrus. I mean, it's true that you can't take a full sip, and this isn't, you know, a true um, lawnmower beer, but it's... No. No, but it's... Wreck your lawnmower. (laughs) Yeah, you would. But it's still like a good, refreshing summer beer. Oh, there'll yeah. be nothing left on your palate after you take a swig of this. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it clears scraping, out everything. It's it's scraping everything out and your nasal and your nasal cavity. Your nasal cavity. Mm-hmm. Thank you for playing. Your nasal <laughs> chuggling, <laughs> chuggling, barnhouse and, and nuzzling. nasal. <laughs> and thank you for fun with words here. And we're casting and waiting and casting. And we waiting. really have not had that much to drink, folks. <laughs> you wouldn't think it though. <laughs> That's pretty sad. This is just the first take. <laughs> Wow. And, and if you're just now joining us, we're on our first beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, beer. I gave this a four as well. Oh, okay. <clears throat> four. How about that? Uh, yeah. A body should really not make that sound. All right. We're around with our uh, first beer, and uh, we've only made up eight words if you're just now joining us. <laughs> More to come. <laughs> yep. I know. I'm up next. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Someone take the microphone away. So, uh, first up, we're going to uh, talk about what was the one beer that just absolutely captured our hearts and attention, you know, this year. We have had so many beers, Mm -hmm. but we've talked about a lot of great beers uh, here on Sips, Suds, and Smokes. So, uh, Dave, what's uh, what's one of the beers that really stuck out to you that just kind of fell in this category? If somebody said, hey, what was your favorite thing from last year? You know, um, it... It's it's hard, like you say, to 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 pick one beer, but it, and I would almost be picking a brewery um, that I uh, hmm. discovered, uh, Trinity Brewing, uh, in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Which you know, I have to say thanks to Mike, uh, Juliana, and I got to try a lot of great beers this last year from being on the show, and then also from being able to go out to Colorado for the GABF. And one of the places we got to go was Trinity, and uh, the beer that we got to have that I thought was the maybe not the best beer, but one of the, there were so many good beers at GABF. It's hard to say the best, but the one that really hung with me that I really enjoyed was Electric Cucumber. Mm-hmm. A, uh, it's a it's a cucumber saison uh day or it's a basically a saison with cucumbers and uh seeds of paradise in it and um it is one of the most distinctive flavors i've ever tried and uh luckily i was able to find a bottle and bring it today so we got to taste it again today yeah so what is it uh and i had a chance to try this for the very first time today in fact i'll actually offer up some tasting notes in just a second but I mean, what is it uh, about this that is so distinctive for you? And wh- I mean, why would you pick that as, you know, basically your favorite beer? You well, know? you know, um, 2014 was a year where I really started 
uh, appreciating saisons and and farmhouse ales probably more than I ever have before. And I had a lot of really good ones. I won't say that one was, you know, clearly better than the others. But this is one, you know, I like to make, you know, I'm a home brewer, so I make beer. But I also like to make wine. And I like to make non-traditional wines. You know, I, I make banana wine, cherry wine, you know, pepper <laughs> wine. Sorry, the wine geek in the room is calling I know, foul. I know, I know. Well, this is a beer show, so put your beer geek away. But... um I've made cucumber wine, I've made celery wine, different kinds of things. Uh, I think cucumber is one of those flavors that you can really go sideways with anytime you use it. Um, it's a hard flavor to use and use it well, and, and they just did it. You know, and Trinity has so many great beers that this is one that I just was like, I cannot believe how good this beer is. I just cannot believe how good it is. Yeah. So uh, we had a chance to uh, open this up and um, you know, kind of in, enjoy this beer today. And, um, you know, I've had uh, a couple of uh, Trinity um, beers. This one I had not had. And, you know, I guess the thing that struck out to me the most, in fact, we were standing around talking about this, was I really can't believe how much cucumber... Yeah, they have managed to infuse in this beer. I mean, if you tried to come up with a cucumber perfume or a cu- <laughs> a cu- anything that would just maintain the scent of a cucumber, I, I just don't know that you would be able to capture that where it would that the essence of that aroma would be able to hang around so long. Yeah, um, and I think that's what I really they had to stuff like mounds and mounds and mounds of cucumber or they found some way to take you know the rind of the cucumber that has a lot of the essence of that aroma mm-hmm. and you know embedded in the beer itself because i've just i've never had anything like that definitely one of the most unique beers um that i've run across lately my suds rating actually for the cucumber uh from trinity is going to be a good solid four and uh, and a great beer at that um I mean, just a, a phenomenal beer. Um, we really enjoyed uh, a lot of great beers from Trinity um, outside of the show uh, mm-hmm. this year. And we'll probably have a show on Trinity uh, in a brewery takeover edition um, for 2014, 2015, I'm sorry. Um, so I'm looking forward to that because uh, I just like saying uh, the name of that. Uh, the other beer was, uh, what is it, uh, Your Mama Sucks or... What's oh, the name of that? Slap your, uh, slap your mama, something, slap your mama. I mean, whatever. There's just, one, blow up your TV. Yeah. <laughs> just some of the really clever. great uh, beers yeah. uh, from Trinity. And they really strike me as they're in right there in the heart of the market, you know, in Colorado, which there are so many great brewers, you mm. know, in that region. And the fact that they've been able to create such distinctive products um, in that market is really a testament to the innovative um, characteristics of what they're doing with a, a lot of great flavors. But even some of the other more traditional beers that they're making are just knockout. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. they're really good. So I'm looking forward to uh, a chance when we get to talk about more of the beers from Trinity. But I'm so glad that you brought uh, the Electric Cucumber and picked that as one of your top picks for uh, 2014. Revan Mark, what uh, would you say would be uh, your favorite beer for 2014? <clears throat> so hard to say, but um, as I sit here and meditate about it, I have to say I finally have come to a conclusion that the best beer I had this year was the New Glarus Brown Peach. Wow, that's Dude. that is yeah. uh, that's cool, huh? I think part of it is it, it it was a knockoff kind of beer in a way, and that that if, as I read more about it, went online, it um, it came and went. It may mm. not ever be repeated. I think that that there was, if you will, kind of a bumper crop of peaches at the right time of the year, and they just had the notion let's let's try this and see where it goes. And um, as you know, you know the the peach is a very delicate flavor and, and often, have bittering around it too yeah you know yeah. Uh, it, and it's an american sour ale is the base yeah you yeah. know and but you know the 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 peach essence in this in this beer was uh it was a brown peach type like it had been overripe yeah. on the tree where the sugar in the peach just gets thick 
the longer it stays in, on the tree under the sun. You know, it just gets concentrated, and it just oh was a great compliment to the sour. And uh, also, I, I called a friend who lives in Madison, Wisconsin, <laughs> and I said, "Drop everything you're doing and go find some of this right now." We were at the GBF. He says, "Okay, I'll get some for you. Bring it home for Christmas." I said, "No, not Christmas. Now, go get it." <laughs> well, he brought me some new Glarus. That wasn't included. He couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. I also had another friend who was there for, for Thanksgiving. Asked her for the same thing. She looked everywhere. Couldn't find it. Apparently, they had a raffle, and you had to have a number to really? even get that beer. Yeah. Wow. That's how special it was. Oh. Well, um, I actually remember the first time that I had uh, the brown peach. It was at GABF, and um, I happened to run into... Uh, good old boy chris and zaya uh there on the floor at gbf and we we were right there in front of the new glarus booth when i ran into them and i said where are you guys going next and we were, we were like we don't know and i said well, let's get in the line for new glarus because there were only like 10 people you oh, know in wow. line you know early it was i, I don't know what it was a fluke because yeah. usually that booth has a line of like 50 or 100 people depending on you know what day and time you hit it at and I remember stepping up, and I was looking at the offerings that they had, and, and I remember they had a lot of other things that I'd had. Serendipity is a great, you know, beer from them that I've mm-hmm. had, you know, many times over. Um, uh, the One of the things that I had from New Glarus this year for the first time was their Dubal, um, which yeah, was actually, that too. Was actually yeah. very tasty. And, you know, <clears throat> I tend to think of New Glarus having a lot of really great, you know, fruit-forward sour ales. Yeah. But to have the Dubal that they produced, it was actually quite good. But when I uh, stood up to that line, I I saw the, the, the peach that was sitting there. And I was like, well, I've never had that, so I'm having that. And I remember walking away from the table, um, all three of us, and I think I was the only one that picked up the peach. And I was, maybe I took four steps. And I was like, wow, okay, this has really captured my attention. Um, And if you've ever heard me talk about other peach beers, um, they're actually, you know, some beers that are always infused with flavor. It's one of those things where, is the peach complimenting the beer or is the beer complimenting the peach? You know, how's it was going on in the, the me- element of balance, you know, between those two. And that was the thing that really struck me so hard about that beer was just how well balanced everything was. And the bittering in that was, I thought, was one of the more unique aspects of that particular beer. I just uh, was like, hmm, I don't think you could get that kind of bittering agent from anything else. It was something that the fruit was actually bringing to the table in terms of a bittering component. Um, instead of just you know completely you know uh, fruit sugars that were you know present as well, it was actually bringing some bittering component that was there as well. F- fabulous beer. I mean, really, really good. Yeah, they may have, have, have boiled a few pits in there. You know, just yeah. To get, who knows? So I was saying, uh, the, or the some of the pith, the the part right around yeah. the pit. Yeah, get some of that. Yeah. And and, and uh, you know you're right. The, the they're known for their their fruit forward sour beers the the crambic is also just another fantastic beer especially for the holidays that uh i was fortunate to have a four pack of uh this christmas um raspberry I, tart yeah and yep. then and then their black top the the black ipa they have a very good black ipa the black top yep uh but another thing that i like so much about new glarus um is that they're just really not um you know primed to expand their distribution range. No, no, they are so yeah. committed to quality, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that I have to ask a friend to come yeah. back to the South with some of this because otherwise we're not going to see it. Um, I, I respect them for that. Well, it's interesting. I mean, the, the first two breweries that we've talked about here almost have some very similar characteristics in that the distribution range of both trinity and of new glarus is very very focused i mean if you find those beers you know beyond like a 300 mile radius from where the brewery is i'm shocked um because you really don't find them you know that far out you know from from where those breweries are at um and i was thinking of uh, other breweries you know that uh, we've either had on the show or that embody some of that same you know characteristic you're talking about in that they they're so committed to quality um at the forefront and making such great beer that 
whether beers are distributed or frankly even enjoyed is like a i don't want to say it's a secondary component but it's not at the forefront of you know the thought process it's of not saying, what drives them yeah, yeah it's it's not it's not what's driving their production schedule or their thought process um jester king is an awful like that yeah um the you alchemist. know yeah. the alchemist you know with john um is is definitely you know he's probably the pied piper of that conversation as far as i'm concerned yeah um you know, uh, one of the great conversations that I uh, enjoyed lately was with Roy, uh, who is the chief ferment- fermentation officer at uh, <laughs> Blackberry Farms um, in East Tennessee. Um, and <clears throat> I, I can't say that, um, you know, I have so many conversations with brewers and, you know, I, I, I enjoy each one of those conversations. They're great, but there's a there's a couple of conversations that I've walked away from going, wow, you know, I just I just want to I just want to stand around you. I mean, I just uh, it's it's almost standing next to a great artist, and I don't think they recognize you know the artistry of what they're doing. Roy definitely has that, and I'm I'm really looking forward to what blackberry farms is going to be producing in the next two to three years um in the east tennessee market but i had that same feeling when i was standing next to Corey king you know from you know perennial ale and mm, seeing yeah. so many great products that came out from perennial just just this last year um i mean the sump coffee stout was just um amazing i mean it's a great beer uh the side project beers you know that are flowing you know from Corey as well the collaboration you know beers that that uh, he's been doing with a number of folks is just really quite extraordinary and so i think when you're really talking about a brewery that's so committed to uh, the products that they're producing that's one of the things that i've enjoyed uh, maybe this year a little bit more than than previously is um it's not so much a matter of just meeting those folks, but I think really understanding kind of what makes them tick. And if somebody almost came along and said, what makes the craft beer industry, you don't have to look any further than the people. Um, if you said it was the ingredients or timing or, you know, fate of the moment or something like that, I think you'd be, I think you'd be going down the wrong path. It truly is a lot of these people, just like these folks at New Glarus, Trinity, and some of the other folks that you know we talked about. It really is making a big difference. Yeah, and I would say it is the people, but it's also the people who recognize the special ingredients within their own immediate area yeah. that make these beers unique, and that they can't be mass produced. Uh, you know, I, to yeah. use kind of another kind of from the wine world. Uh, um, uh, a phrase that that I think gets at what Nuclearis and, and some of these other breweries are doing is terroir. That is, there's a sense in which you what, really. What's really do, funny is Roy used that word with me, and I'm like, "You're a beer guy. You don't get to use that word." <laughs> I'm like, "Terroir and yeah. East Tennessee, dude. Seriously, yeah." But there's I think up with yonder this, and this over brown yonder. peach that was in a way that was kind of like they they were able to channel, you know, some of that peach terroir. You know, like you could taste yeah. where it came from, right, right there. Yeah. Um, you, you you can't ship that around the world. Yeah, very much so. Well, uh, that kind of swings around to uh, the the beer that really captured my attention, uh, good old boy Mike. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't have to reach very far or back in time or, frankly, um, outside of the show uh, at all. The one thing that stood out for me was the Melange Trois from Nebraska Brewing. Oh, yeah. Um, you know... So uh, our listeners don't uh, they don't understand probably the context of sometimes how we record is we do several shows you know usually in one day sometimes we sometimes we'll just do one show on site or whatever but that particular day we had actually done several shows and I think what's interesting is when you're sitting down and tasting thirty plus beers in one day. And you're sitting around, and the one bottle that is consistently everybody's going back to and dead empty very quickly, there was no doubt about that that Nebraska Brewing, you know, Melange uh was gone so fast. And everybody was still talking about it, even after the bottle was empty. Um, you know, there's been a few beers uh, for me that... Um, you know, if you went back and you listened to how I, I talked about that beer, it just 
um, it has a measure of decadence uh, that's around it. And I don't find that a lot of brewers are actually dropping their beers in a Chardonnay barrel. And I think the combination of the unique aspects of what the Chardonnay barrel kind of brought to this beer, and it was what I described to many people as it's a piece of wedding cake in a glass, in a beer glass. Um, it just really has uh, such a soft quality about it that I really think is very approachable to a, a very broad range of consumers. And it's something that I really uh, have enjoyed going back to. I'm very fortunate that I was able to you know, pick up a couple more bottles of this and we're actually enjoying it today. And I just, uh, I'm so glad that uh, this was something that I ran across just as a fluke um you know that i picked up in uh, north carolina of all places you know originally a good friends at best way grocery in greensboro north carolina thanks guys um that uh you know was able to you know bring this on the show and we got to, to really have it that day it's really sparked a good friendship um with nebraska brewing itself and i hope that we uh we'll be able to talk a lot of other great products from them in the future as well because i've really enjoyed tasting a lot of beers from them and they strike me as a, another tone of some of these other breweries, you know, that we've already chatted about. So, uh, really great start of talking about some of our favorite things from 2014. So we'll uh, we'll take a quick break here, and then we'll come back and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some of our favorite things from 2014. all of your friends to come to the bar with you and you buy them around. And so I think maybe this one is about a three and a half. I would certainly finish this beer and I would consider ordering you another. You have no idea what happens when you do half score. I get thanks for that all the frelling time. That is so bad. We only have one other host that's tried that on the show. We banned him. We buried him in the ground. You know, good old boy Jim is never coming back. Feel free to pick a number from one to five. I may have to cash in my extra point then. I'll give it a four. I all think right, I would consider ordering another of this beer. Yeah, how about that? <clears throat> and the most important question of the hour is, can you shake that kilt? I, I can shake it. I can uh, hopefully shake it while it stays down. But, uh, I would song. probably go with Man and in the Middle. Can you sing it from uh, sing a couple of bars? Let's sure do, thing. Let's do it, baby. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And that's really all the lyrics I know to it. Oh, man, that is really good. <laughs> I have to say that rocks. <clears throat> All right. Council, what do you think? One to five. I give him a four. Yeah, Ooh, a four. A four. Another four. I'm going to give you a five because I like your kilt. Thank you. Uh, you know what? I'm a four and a half since we're doing all the You can't do that. You, you chose to do an early Michael song. I'm going to give you a five, baby. Thank you. Oh. That in the wardrobe alone, in the yeah. stash, it's, it's working pretty good. All right, man. That, that's, a, that's a high bar to set right there. Great. Thanks, y'all. It's a pleasure. The thing you need to be thank thinking you, about you, is which, you. which beer you're going to enjoy here at the Cheeky Monk, I would have to say, after that rendition. Uh, so, you know, I'm curious what you guys think about how this beer is actually going to do in the market. You know, is it is it going to go the way of the Grapefruit Project and kind of have like a three-month spin and then die a, a brutal death? Or We went to uh, an awful lot of bars, events, and bottle release, you know, parties, and tons of in, in industry tastings. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that's very difficult uh, for us on the show here is that we really only get to talk about such a small percentage of the things that we get exposed to. Um, and sometimes it's a matter of, uh, you know, some things maybe we don't like, um, as well as uh, some things that are not distributed, you know, very widely, um, or just doesn't fit, you know, kind of with what we're, whatever we're planning to do, you know, on the show, you know, at that particular time. So at the same time, I think there are a lot of beers that we run across that we'd love to talk about. And this is a great chance for us to talk about some of the favorite things that we've run across that kind of fall in this category of there were one-offs or you, they were only available on draft or, it was for a very special event or something like that. 
Um, I'm sure we've run across you know stuff like this you know through 2014. Dave, what's uh, what's on some of your list of things that fall in this category for 2014? Well, the the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, when we were at the What the Funk uh, event in uh, in Denver uh, during GABF was uh, a beer that I just happened to stumble across. Uh, there's a, a brewery called Two Roads in uh, Connecticut, and the beer is called Philsomic. Hmm. And it is an American wild ale that is aged in red wine barrels uh, with uh, aged balsamic vinegar and, I believe, cherries. And... Um, you know, I had it, and it, I had to stop and do a double take because uh, I was like, "What are these flavors going on in this thing?" And I don't know if either of you guys got to try it that night, but it was it was something that I definitely hope gets uh, produced more and uh, gets distributed. I think they do bottle it probably, but it's one of those things where we can't get it here, so I'm going to treat it as a one-off kind of special thing. Yeah. And uh, and I hope I get to try it again. So interesting that you picked that particular event, um, you know, because uh, that was the first time that any of us had been to What the Funk uh, Festival in Denver, Colorado, which happens to be the same week as the Great American Beer Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is, I don't know how many years they've been doing What the Funk, maybe five years, maybe three. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but not that many. And... Uh, that was a very interesting room, um, and it was interesting that you actually picked something from that room. Yeah, because it was a there were a lot of beers. There were a lot of beers, beer and there were a lot. Of, yeah, especially in this category that you know you're like, wow, I'll never be able to find it or see it or yeah, you know. Um, and between the two events that we went to that week, both the Rare Beer Festival for Pints for Prostates, as well as you know the What the Funk Festival, mm-hmm. I would say easily well over half the beers at each of those events you'll never even find them or yeah. see them you know once again you just need to enjoy them from the moment and for that evening and just you know get on with the fact that you're not going to ever see it again you <laughs> keep know? it as a fond memory yeah that's about it huh interesting choice uh reverend mark uh, what falls in in your thought process for things that fall in this particular category well i have to say that the one that really just floored me um my wife and i were on our um anniversary about a month ago at, in louisville and so mm. we were able to go to the holy grail oh. and um i got a flight of this and flight of that and uh the one that i mean so many were wonderful but the one that really just uh bowled me over uh was a, a beer that was available only on tap um I think it's really just not available anywhere in bottle. It was bottled at one time as a vintage 2010, brewed by BFM in Switzerland. Mm. It was an Abbey de Saint-Bouchon. Uh, it was basically a, a sour wild ale, hmm. about 11% alcohol Ooh. by gravity. Lordy. But it was a blend of uh, sour <clears throat> wild ales taken from 11 different barrels. Oh, Half wow. of them were Pinot Noir, half were chardonnay and then after they had been conditioned respectively in those various barrels then they were all racked a third time to finish out in an icebox barrel wow dang huh. yeah and uh, and I, you didn't bring any of this back for us it was not available it was just on tap only yeah yep, i'm pissed no growler fills <laughs> yeah yeah and like just a, a a six ounce pour was like 10 bucks yeah you we, know. we know which list you just hit uh so very interesting choice uh so bfm uh makes uh, alex derogue which was uh one of the beers from them that we had reviewed on the show, we called it uh, the on-ramp for Sour Stouts, mm-hmm. uh, was one of the things that I remember about that. I remember I was walking, I was staring at my cellar um, in my uh, beer cabinet, beer cellar, you know, recently, and I noticed I had three bottles of Alex DeRogue just kind of sitting there. I'm like, hmm, 2011, hmm, wonder what that would taste like, you know, right about now. And I was like, yeah, I'll let that sit there. Um, but man, I wish I'd had some of that. That that sounds really, really good. 
Yeah, and they said it was Did almost. Did you lose was, my phone it, number? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have waited an extra day just for you to get. Yeah, they weren't filling growlers that night for some reason. Just for that. <laughs> Golly, that sounds really tasty, huh? Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. It was just a, a very, you know, it was the sourness was there, but it wasn't a pungent sourness, and it and it was and it and it kind of was a mahogany color, mm. and uh, you could tell that icebox uh, uh, barrel aging just added a little bit more of a malty rounded you know finish to it i was just yeah That's pretty blown away wow that really sounds like a fa- fabulous beer in fact i'm ready for us to turn off the mics and let's go <laughs> road trip <laughs> road trip you know yeah let's call ahead and make sure they have some yep that's ours don't sell any to anybody else wow that sounds really cool um yeah, you know, I was, uh, I was thinking about some beers that kind of, you know, fall in this uh, category, you know, that I've had in the past. And um, uh, I guess the one that had fallen in this uh, category in the past was Prairie's Artisan Ales, Bomb de Balconis, which is actually uh, a beer that they make, that they put in uh, Balconis uh, Distillery in their barrels. And it was one of my favorite beers that kind of fell in this category of, there's just no way that you would have that beer. They only served it at like two festivals, oh, wow. and that was it. And yeah. then you know, <clears throat> um, you couldn't get it anywhere else. Um, oddly enough, the one that I picked in this category is um, at the same festival at uh, What the Funk, um, and it's it's uh, it doesn't f- quite fall in this category of a unicorn. Like we can talk about it, but you'll never find it again. Um, because we raved about the Elder Brett um, Saison from Epic, um, you know, after that. And it was funny that um, there were a lot of good beers in that room. And, Dave, I'm so glad that you mentioned, you know, one one of the ones that was in that room that was not this particular beer. Because we stood around and we actually finished almost every bottle of Elder Brett Saison that they brought mm-hmm. that evening. But it has been one of those beers that I went back and I... And, they the production run was sold out and you couldn't find it very easily and i know that they've since produced another batch of this and so it is something that you can now find um but you know i that's one of the the difficult moments of some beers is not so much as the scarceness of the availability of that product it's just because they don't produce it that often and you have to understand you know part of the production schedule that the brewery is coming around you know for that particular beer um i'm still kind of swooning over you know reverend mark's beer over here still though (laughs) i'm like man that sounds good you know um you know we had some really great uh some other great beers even on the show that I know that have kind of drifted even off, you know, some of the production schedules. Um, Reverend Mark, I know that some of your favorite beers actually are no longer produced or no longer available, and I don't know if you wanted to chat about some of those. Well, yeah, one one beer that, uh, again, when we were in Denver for GABF, uh, you know, it is, uh, you know, the requisite heading up to Fort Collins for a day is just, you know, it's a given. So um, I spent... Uh, several hours in odell's and the one that uh mm-hmm. is just you can't well it was just it was it was a bit of a knockoff but uh it was based on their one of my favorite uh american uh, double ipas uh, <clears throat> the mercenary and this was the funky wooden mercenary huh and it was only on tap and it's now you know i went online just to check it out just to make sure i was right about this but it is a retired beer there i don't know if that that, that means it's not going to be done again but it certainly isn't available anywhere or they'll screw it up with something different yeah <laughs> but you know mercenary is is one of my you know top two or three favorite uh, imperial ipas american ipas uh but this just kind of added some interesting notes uh of you know vanilla and spice and yet you know that that just that really big and fresh you know it was there at the brewery uh so yeah when i look through all of my different ratings for the year uh you know next to the brown peach and um you know the bfm beer that i just mentioned this is just like bumping right up there as one of the top beers that i've had this year Mm -hmm. 
Well, I'm curious what you guys think about, uh, you know, it seems like we've run into a lot of breweries now that are come up with this concept of having a limited release, you know, yeah. beer. And, you know, um, sometimes we don't even know it or even see it. I mean, to us, you know, it's just another bottle. It's on the table. We recognize that, you know, we'll never get that again, you know, or something like that. Um, but I had to have to say that there are, there are a couple of unicorns that I actually took some extra effort to, you know, hunt down this year. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the ones was Volume 2 from Four Hands, which we have not had on the show yet, by the way. Um, I'd have been fortunate to taste, you know, that beer from Four Hands, but um, I was hoping that I would get it in a cycle where I knew that they were going to release it again so that we could come and review it on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll actually talk a lot um, about a lot more beers from Four Hands, you know, here in 2015, but that particular beer, Volume 1, Volume 2, are a couple of beers that are limited release. There have been some other things like Chocolate Rain and Black Tuesday from the brewery, you know, Dark Arts from, you know, Wicked Weed. There's, you know, Dark Lord, you know, from Three Floyds. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think about, you know, that that concept where, you know, brewers are kind of creating these limited release products? You know, do you think yeah. it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, I for think the consumers? It's, uh, I think it builds a lot of excitement. Actually, when, when Mark... It's like was, free ink and buzz? Yeah. Well, when, you know, when Mark was talking about um, the Holy Grail, it reminded me that uh, Juliana and I got to go to what may be the coolest limited release thing, uh, Zwanzi Day, mm-hmm. uh, up in Louisville at the... And, um, the uh, the Holy Grail was one of the few places in in the world that gets to participate with Cantillon, um, and the 2014 version was a uh, Cuvée Florian uh, named after the brewer's son who was turning 16. So they took uh, some of their Grand Cru and blended it with another sour, uh, a Creek, um, to make. Uh, an amazing an amazing beer and you know we got there the day before you know we hung out we went to you know made an experience toured around Bardstown Road and things got up at four in the morning um, that day went and sat in line on the sidewalk um, until eight o'clock when they opened up we had our tickets that we had pre-purchased and um, we we got there early. We were like the twentieth and twenty first person in there. And as soon as you go inside, they are selling uh, t shirts, which she may have bought one. I don't remember. I don't care about t shirts. But they were also selling vintage bottles of Cantillon um, that you had to. You get one, you have to open it and drink it there. Mm. So we started drinking at about eight a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, they uh they finally popped it uh popped the cask about like 11 or something 11 or 12 yeah. or something but they were opening uh different special beers like every hour well huh. so uh what a, a great example of this discussion about talking yeah. about limited release and i didn't mention zwanzi day you know when i was kind of going through this litany of of limited release beers but even I think what is more interesting about Swansea Day is the amount of uh, experiential buzz, yeah. you know, that is wrapped around Swan- Swansea Day as well. Is that it's become a destination experience, you know, right. to go through that as well because they actually have a coordinated release. It's only available like in. 14 locations you know like worldwide exactly um and it's the exact same beer um so it's really kind of come into this uh it's very strange space of combining um release availability with a destination you know Mm -hmm. as well we have to talk a lot a lot more about holy grail you know and kind of get to another section of our show today well but even though like what we were talking about with brown peach you know when they hold raffles well i didn't know that that was going to be held as a limited release you know i I really thought it was just going to be more like a seasonal release you know component from new glarus but you were talking about too earlier how some breweries um minimize or just maintain a very tight distribution channel Mm -hmm. and i think this plays into that as well that even if you do have a broad distribution there are certain things that you want to give the aura of being special 
you know so you hold that distribution to just a few bottles you know yazoo does it with the embrace the funk on a lot of their stuff yeah you know different brewers do it and i think i think it is a good thing hmm. well um you know, it was an interesting uh, you know marketing concept um you know i it's, it's almost like if you were to walk up to tell brewers and say you want to create a limited release beer that people can have to go out of their way to get and they're going no i just want them to buy my beer you know it's yeah. like you know more fundamental than that i think yeah. you're getting to the point where you can you know generate a certain amount of free marketing buzz you yeah. know it's just uh i don't know i didn't that that marketing concept seems to i don't know if it has a half-life as well mm-hmm. i don't know if that'll come back and kind of bite everybody you know yeah. in the end as well because uh I've seen it with other types of consumer-driven, you know, elements where they create um, almost an artificial scarcity to something just to create a certain amount of, you know, peer-to-peer or mouth-to-mouth, you know, kind of marketing concept. Right, right, right. Um, and I think the one thing that gets lost in that is it could really kind of backfire, you know, on people if they, you know, either they just are flat-out lying to the consumer about the scarcity of that or... Uh, more the case it reminds me about part of the discussion i remember about dark lord um <clears throat> from three floyds and this this is not me calling it this is actually the brewer uh saying that they were actually embarrassed at the level of quality of that beer that they actually yeah released. that could be the biggest pitfall yeah, yeah. that uh, all of a sudden that you know you're you have a, a um, an event and a scarcity in a bottle release and the beer is not ready for prime time. Then you're, yeah, yeah. you're done because yeah. they'll never come back again. Well, and I think that's that's kind of built into this marketing concept as well is that it is a limited release. It is uh, kind of a, a risk and an experiment. And you're going, you know, I think I think there's you know a fine line between <laughs> brewing and alchemy. And I think that they're kind of venturing into alchemy and whether or not it really works. But you know, I think, we don't always yeah, know. But I think a lot of brewers do it in, in in different ways too. Like when they do pilot batches, you know, and they do like a special. Like I know Dogfish Head in their their original brew pub. The way they develop their line and you know a lot of their you know most known beers where they started out doing them in the pilot batch. Yeah. And then you kind of let people taste it and give you feedback. That's free marketing. I'm laughing because the pilot system at the Dogfish Brewery, at the Dogfish Brew Pub, is about six barrels. And the the production barrel house for for perennial (laughs) ale is eight barrels. And they produce everything on that. So, I mean, it's just like... Huh, okay. There's a pilot system, and then there's pilot system. <laughs> then there's production know? system. Yeah, yeah. it all depends on how you yeah. use it. Yeah. I think I think another uh, hindrance toward allowing just this really inventive beer to to come out sporadically and at limited release is the question of distribution itself. That is, you know. I, I look at New Glarus and all their products, not just the you know the brown peach, but you know even even their kind of their their signature beers that are more widely distributed Spotted cow are not that. really out there as much either. So they they have an agreement with whoever their distributor is that we're just going to produce so many barrels of beer a year, and this is as far as it's going to go, and that's as far as we want to go. Yeah, and I think that in some markets some distributors become the tail wagging the dog that is when you really get to be well known then the distributors start demanding that you produce more if they're going to work with you you know and so i think it's a matter of what kind of marriage you have going on with distribution as well that's Hmm. well let's uh let's pause here uh take a quick break um we'll come back we're going to talk about uh what was some of our uh, predictions for 2014 as well as talking about some of our good belching zone nominees uh in our next segment as well we'll be right back right after this quick break
Hey, this is going to wrap up things for our part one of our favorite things for 2014. Be sure and catch us on our next episode for part two of our discussion, including our good Belching Zone nominees. Thanks to uh, all of our listeners here at Sips, Suds, and Smokes. You can catch all of our episodes online anytime on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, Uncle John's Basement, and Spreaker, our native media host. Our terrestrial radio stations are threatening to take us off the air at every single time until they open up that care package from us. And they go, hmm, wow, that's a great beer. should leave those guys on. If you would like to hear this show on your favorite radio station, threaten that programming director with another case of your favorite beer and send them a note and copy us as well. You can reach us online anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every single day at sipsudsmokes. And our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. Listen, we did not ask you to do anything to enjoy this episode today or contribute or listen to our sponsors because we don't have any for this show. But <laughs> listen, do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a big help to us. We get to see your feedback as well. I really appreciate it. I want to thank my co-host for being here for this great conversation and for always being great hosts here on Suds. Dave, thank you for being here. Thank you, Mike. Hit me up at leave the cork in at sips, whatever it sips, is. Sipsudsandsmokes.com. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Dave's fan mail, definitely for sure. Reverend Mark, always a pleasure. Hey, great being here. Always great uh, having both of you here. It's unfortunate. Juliana, our other perennial host, was not able to join us for today. But uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us once again. This is good old boy Mike asking you to keep on sipping. One Tan Hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.